Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. In this podcast, I had the absolute privilege of speaking with Neil Granger. Neil is a terrific guy, and we spoke for a good two hours this morning just about life, careers, Middlesbrough Football Club, his all-star Middlesbrough 11, potential stigma which is attached to the northeast, and so much more. It's it's a very, very good podcast. I really hope you enjoy it. So this is the Borough Breakdown. I'm Johnny Bullock. Let's get right down to it. Fleming for Craig Hignett. Hit it, Higgy. Higgy hits the track. coming alive again. Janino wants the ball played to him. Abanelli spots out. Emerson! Welcome back to the Borough Breakdown with me, Johnny Bullock. Um, I'm absolutely delighted to be joined by actor... Comedian Booker, presenter, creator of the Bora Belief promo videos, Mr. Neil Granger. Um, Neil, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Thanks a lot, it's a pleasure. Yeah, so I, I thought we would really start off and, and talk about you. Um, I know that acting has been pretty much your life, like, well, ever since you were you were little. Um, I was really keen to, to hear how it all came about and how you got into acting and how you knew it was going to be for you when you're at such a young age? Mm. Yeah, uh, well, I, I suppose my I, I first started uh, doing amateur dramatics, doing uh, the Middlesbrough Little Theatre, um, mm. the Middlesbrough Little Theatre Juniors, and I, okay. I think it came about a mate of mine, uh, my mum's best friend's daughter. I I, I fancied her quite a bit, <laughs> and um, when I was younger, and I she was doing amateur dramatics, and I. And I thought, oh, well, I'll do amateur dramatics as well. So I auditioned for it, and um, for Santa Claus the Musical, <laughs> um, and I got like one of the main parts. And I think what happened is I started to realise that I enjoyed it. But I think what came first is I thought it, I started to get attention from girls, <laughs> and it's really <laughs> shallow. But it was it was sort of a link into it. And then yeah. I think by the time and that was about 13 14 and then by the time I got to about 15 16 I thought actually I I love doing this mm. I really enjoyed kind of you know um especially at GCSE drama I had a brilliant GCSE drama teacher at Nunthorpe yeah. um competent and he uh, called David Evans Mr Evans and he was he just kind of made me feel like I could it, it sounds a bit corny but like play and it's and that's yeah. what acting is really it's playing it's um you know, having expressing yourself uh, in a way that you can't really do with many other things. I guess music you could, but I'm not I'm particularly very musical, as anyone who's heard me sing will know. <laughs> um, but I, uh, yeah, so I started doing that, and then and then by the time I left school, I went to Stockton and Billingham College, which is now obviously gone, but um, in in Billingham. Yeah. And again, I was really lucky, and, and I look back now, and and you know, for anyone that um, says that you can't, that, that we don't 
create good um, professional performers in the Northeast. I went to Stockton Billing College and we had three tutors. Mm-hmm. Our, our dance tutor, and I'm not claiming to be any good at dance, but he was a physical, he, he was working at, at, the, at the time in a physical theatre duo. Yeah. Our, um, our music teacher was Mike McGrother <laughs> from the Wildcats of Kilkenny. Oh, and right. our drama teacher was a guy called Gordon Steele, who's probably the best playwright that that Middlesbrough has. He's one of some incredible players, Dead Fish, uh, Like a Virgin. He's got a play coming out soon. Uh, so you, you, there aren't many places where you could get a level of of teaching from people who are actually working in the industry. So I did that. When then was kind of the thing with acting is once you put all your eggs in that basket, you yeah. kind of you've got to go with it really. So I went to London in 1997 and went to university and did a drama degree um, and then just started doing plays really I got I got my first professional play when I was 19 nice. and then and, and then you kind of in it and then every time I thought oh maybe I'll do something else um, something would come up and then I got I got crossroads so I um, when I was 21 mm. um, and that was probably my big break I suppose no, that's it, and I think I was very interested in, in terms of what you were saying there about obviously talented people from the northeast and and your career. It's really fascinating how you you came into it for from a very young age, and you've just continued to to be on this path of of, of your career. And it, um, have you ever like been interested in more of like the was it, have you ever been interested in more of a physical sports, or was it just more of like a I'm very, very into this acting and persona, and is it something that you've always loved? Have you never been swayed by something else? Because the, the reason I ask that is because I, when I was like younger, um, my sit out with my other twin sister, and she, she's been very much in that performing arts uh, life. She's obviously living down in London, and we spoke about that off, off, off the mic, but it was... Um, I initially did performing arts for about a year or so whilst playing football and then I just went you know what maybe the, the girl attention w- was great because you, I was probably the only guy that, that did it um, but then I decided to go more of like a footballing route and I stuck down that footballing route so um, yeah. so did you, were you ever like swayed by more like the football side of things or was it very much you were just more passionate about acting? I think I think when I was younger, I was I was determined to be an actor. I think mm. it was just it was the only thing that I saw that I wanted really. Um, and I think <clears throat> everything else felt like a hobby, but that was that was my goal. I think as I've got older, I have started to look around and and go. Actually, the acting doesn't really give me the 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 hundred percent joy. I don't. Mm. I think the dream of most actors is that you make 100% make your living as an actor. All you do is work all the time and you go from big yeah. job to big job to big job. And, and and I spent a lot of my career trying to do that. Mm. It, uh, it, it's hard. It's a really difficult... I mean, before we start the podcast, we spoke about it, but, um, it, you know, you're talking about 90, 95% of all actors are out of work at any given yeah. time. So that the odds of being that 5% that is working consistently is really really difficult and I um, so I think what uh, the joy that I get now is out of variety mm. so every every week of work for me is very different and I've diversified into lots of other things I'm a, I work as a presenter I I you know until recently I used to do a lot of physical movements for computer games uh, okay. doing motion capture uh, I work as a voiceover artist uh, I teach communication to businesses I do lots of other things 
and, and what it gives me is a spectrum of variety that I can enjoy. Yeah. Uh, I think the acting, lots of actors have to make a living when they're not acting. Yeah. And you, what you do is you end up kind of making a, a living that you that you don't enjoy in order to fund the acting because that's the only thing you enjoy. And I, I think I sort of turned my back on that quite quickly and went, no, I, I, I think there's other things I want to do. You know, mm. and, and for example, making the Borough videos, yeah. it was a bit of fun. But then it made me think, you know what, I if I can, you know, if I can be involved in some way in, in with the borough and yeah. supporting the borough, and if I can, you know, make some ridiculous corny tunes that people <laughs> like and it helps people enjoy, you know, the build to matches, then yeah. that's really nice and that's really a fun thing that I can look back on and go, you know, I didn't just sit waiting for my agent to ring with auditions. I, I did my own thing, and yeah. I think that's something that definitely, as I get older. I want to do more of, I want to try and diversify, I guess, into different things and, and have, as I said, have variety, because variety is kind of, for me, is proper the spice of life, you know? Yeah, no, I, I think everyone needs like, variety in their life. I think sometimes when you do something for so long repetitively, you, you're always going to be sick of it and you're just going to be stuck in that that same cycle of, or yeah. It, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I mean, the, the same cycle of just doing the same thing over and over again. And I think it was funny that you mentioned there about the, like, working with Middlesbrough I think that's every young guy's dream regardless of if you're playing for the club or you're a groundsman or you're like presenting like this podcast I know working with the club but it's obviously bespoke but I think every young guy or, or gal just wants to work with Borough at some capacity so was it very fulfilling working with the club when you were creating those videos uh, it was, yeah. I, I mean, if I'm honest, it, it, there were times when it was, direct, you know, I was, the club was supporting me and the club have been supporting. A lot of it was just me on my own. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it was me and a mate filming some stuff. And so it, it didn't feel like I was directly working for the club. Mm. What, I, what I have found is that there are certain people within the club that have been incredibly supportive. Yeah. Um, okay. you, you know, uh, for example, Katie Gibson. Um, mm-hmm. Kibble's daughter has been amazing, yeah. really supportive of the, of, uh, of me and what I've been doing. Um, you know, and there are certain other people that have been that have been really good and and helpful. But I think I think it feels that the joy is is working with the fans. Yeah, I think that's what's really made it worthwhile for me and what kept me doing the videos and making them and putting. You know, and, and sitting editing for hours and hours and hours is the is the response you get from fans. Yeah. Because because there's no better feeling, and that's sort of why I I have done it really. Like, you know, I I suppose I look at me as an actor, and I think I don't I don't really have a great deal of aspirations to be famous. I don't have mm. any aspirations to be a household name. But but I'm going to make no bones about it. The fact that Middlesbrough fans know who I am. Yeah. And and you know, hopefully, a good percentage of them like the stuff that I've done. It makes me feel pretty good because yeah. it's my it's my team, it's my hometown. It's you know, yeah. There's there's some amazing things. You know, I think back to that. You know, back to Wembley two years ago, and obviously it's a difficult here to be talking about Wembley, but yeah. um, but we there's still hope that we could get there. But two years ago, <laughs> walking down Wembley Way on the way to that that final match against Norwich was one of the best moments of my life 
mm. but barn on because because it wasn't about people it's not about the the, the um shallow things of being recognized or yeah. or people knowing what your name is it was more about like people genuinely were full of joy and they were um like really pleased to see me and want and 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 grateful that I'd helped give them that extra little push to you know believe is was a yeah. you know is whatever it's 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 just a word but it's but people's passion you know watching fans get more passionate that's what we go for isn't it watching the mm. riverside you know watching yesterday watching leo go on that pitch and seeing yeah. what he created i mean that's what we live for and whether we get it you know whether we get to the final we get to the premier league or not that's that will be in 10 years time we won't quite remember it as, as you know, so brilliantly or as awfully as it's going to turn out, but we'll always remember that moment where Leo went on the pitch. Mm. Always, it was such a unique moment yesterday seeing Leo like walk on the pitch and the reception that he got as well. And I know he was loved by the Borough fans anyway. Um, even when he was at the club and when he left, and I know he went to that, that tragic accident, and obviously he's, he's came he's came back to see us. And it, you would have thought he that he he's played for the club for like his entire career and then decided to go into more of a coaching role and, and just like the atmosphere of everyone shouting his name and it was incredibly loud at the Riverside yesterday when he was on the pitch before the match and it was such a like beautiful like experience to, and great to be part of and I hope in some capacity he, he does come back to the club um, or like the club offer him something maybe to maybe if not to work with Pulis but in in the future, um, because he's just he's just become a fan favorite. If he's, if he's well, if the players like him as well, I can't see why he, he should just come back. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. It's, I suppose it's a bit like Janino in a way. Mm. Like, it, he, he, you know, oh God, I think we'd all love to see Janino in a dugout, and and it would be great to have Leo back. But I, but I sort of, I'm I'm sort of looking the other way, like watching him in the red faction yesterday. With a like, you know, yeah. with, a, with a megaphone. <laughs> I, if he was working for the club, I don't think he'd be able to do that. And there's, yeah. there's a there's a freedom that it gave him to be able to just be a Borough fan for the day. Yeah. Because he was able to fully express himself. He wasn't hampered by, you know, if he'd been on the backroom staff and doing that on the in the middle of the pitch, <laughs> yeah, it probably would have worked against us. And I mean, you know, we didn't get the result we wanted yesterday, but it would have worked definitely worked against us because we would look cocky and we would have looked you know a member of our of our uh, backroom team you know being showing that kind of passion would have could have worked both ways but i i think it yesterday for me was kind of proof that if you when we embrace people or when people in when outsiders because you know he wasn't born in us but when people who are come into the club and, and and adopt our team we we love them and we love them in a way that most clubs, I don't think, would do that. And, yeah. and there's something beautiful about that. There's something beautiful about the fact that the ground just responded. I mean, he's been through something that I hope no one has to ever experience. I can't even imagine mm. what the man's gone through. But um, but to come back and show that kind of gratitude and passion is, I mean, it's kind of hairs on the back of your neck stand up, isn't it? It's amazing. And it was, yeah, I mean, I wasn't there yesterday, sadly, I was working, but um, but watching the game and seeing and hearing that roar was unbelievable. Yeah, it, the atmosphere was great yesterday until until Villa scored, but when as soon as Villa scored, it was just uh, 
atmosphere changed and you kind of knew it wasn't going to be our day but we'll we'll move on to that in, in a second but there's just one question I, I just wanted to ask and you said this earlier in, in the podcast and you're about talented people in the northeast and you know as years have gone by you see we're seeing a lot of northern people come on the tv now and on shows and becoming very famous either that's from not like very famous but becoming very popular in terms of either that's on social media or it's on television or it's on la- on like online streaming shows uh, like networks like netflix um but do you still think there's like more of like a stigma between northern people in in the arts and with with becoming popular in general because just my example was steph mcgovern and the bbc i know she's doing amazingly well now but Initially, she got a lot of negative feedback from viewers because of just her accent alone. Um, do you, so do you feel like there is a kind of a little stigma between Northern people and the arts as such? Um, I, I think, I mean, it's hard to tell. There's, I suppose there's, there's, there's two things about it. One, the, 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 yes, there potentially could be. But the other thing is you, you sort of have to work against it a little bit. Mm. Um, I've, I've definitely experienced a bit of a, not stigma, I mean, maybe not stigma, but I've definitely realised that you, you don't quite get the same opportunities if you have a northern accent mm. because you are classed in some way as um, not able to do anything else. Yeah. And I think what I... Um, what I seem to get from um, is, is put into a box. Uh, there's, for example, there's a theatre in London, um, the Royal Court, probably the best theatre in London as far as new writing and history goes. And I did some work there a few years back. Um, it was a, it was a, just a week there, but it was an incredible piece. Uh, and working with a, a guy who passed away a few years ago called Sir Arnold Wesker, and one of the best playwrights we've ever had. And it was a piece set in Durham, so I was playing a lad from Durham, and mm. it was you were you were in a room with like fifteen northeast actors, some of the best mm. actors that the northeast has ever produced, and most of those actors will never work at that theatre again, really, mm. until they do something from the northeast. But it's so rare that they do it, and I think you, I definitely think there is less. You know, I mean, I'm also aware that we are in an age where. You know, looking at the arts, I think ethnic minorities definitely have it worse, mm. and I would say women definitely have it worse, and that's something that we need to address first. But I do think there should be more things made in certain areas. Mm. I think, you know, it tends to be that dramas and comedies are based in the South. Yeah. I think Northern accents still, you know, are still regarded as novel. Yeah. Good example, I suppose, is that you know call centres move to the northeast because everybody yeah. outside of the northeast likes the the friendly jovial accent. Well, yeah. I think we're more than that. I think you know we make when we make stuff, we make some really good stuff. Yeah. I think Middlesbrough is not on the map. I'm mm. still in the arts. Unfortunately, I think I'm you know I'm from the borough, but I'm a professional Geordie. I yeah. have to be because. Because when they went, when they want an accent, they most likely want me to do a Geordie accent. They don't want a Middlesbrough accent because they don't yeah. know where Middlesbrough is. Hmm. It doesn't appear on their radar. Yeah, and I think if it does, it's stereotyped. So there is an element of that. And I feel for Steph McGovern in that sense. But then Steph McGovern is proof that you can do it. Yeah, like Steph's ability and charm and charisma won through. 
and mm. and I don't think you know she's probably faced a lot of stigma in her life and she probably will always get people commenting about her accent but she's all the better for the fact that she rises above it yeah no that, that, that's it I think it, it's very inspiring to see Steph and, and yourself get to these heights and I think with the, with the North East in general, we, we generate so many popular figures like Ant and Deck, for example, Jeff Stelling, and yeah. just to just to name drop people. And I feel like as the game's changing now in terms of social media and everyone's becoming very interactive, I think we will see a, a some sort of shift in terms of how shows are being presented as well. And I think with the likes of YouTube now and live streaming, people can do pretty much anything now um, in, in terms of like, if they want to do acting or they want to do impressions or they want to make jokes or they want to film or they want to film, uh, uh, I don't know, say, say gaming or like online gaming like KSI does, uh, obviously very popular. But um, I think the the shift will change and you said, some, you said some very valid points in terms of that it's probably not just stigma and there is a lot of things to do first I think with we have ethnic minority and women as well I think that has to change and it will I think it will change but it has to be the people that, that change it and, and that's with our feet and I think if people weren't turning up to all male shows to be like well well what, what what do we have to do here to change it or I think it's just little things what we have to do to change but I think with the northeast I think we will continue to to provide excellent talent in the future and I think it'll just keep progressing like that um, especially the way the times are changing as well um, because anyone can yeah. be and I think you know I, I think we have a really I mean Middlesbrough has an incredible track record of some incredible with Teesside you know incredible performance I mean we have Oscar nominees and we have you know BAFTA winners and we have you know as you said before Steph is Steph McGovern is presenting a BAFTA I think tomorrow um, mm. or today, I can't remember, at some point, which is incredible. Um, you know, and I love, I love hearing the Teesside accent in, the, in, in those kind of environments, and there's something wonderful about that. Um, but, yeah, and, and, and I think it's got, you know, there's got to be a balance redressed, and, and I think it's, it happens by, by young people hearing that they can do and be whatever they want to be, regardless of anything else. They've just got to want it, and they've just got to be the best that they can be. Uh, and I think growing up, I didn't, I wasn't aware of that. I didn't hear that. I didn't have that voice or, or that person to that I looked at and saw. Uh, and I hopefully now young people who are wanting to come and be performers or wanting to be journalists or you know whatever. Are looking around and seeing people like Steph and seeing people like Jeff Stelling and going, do you know what? I can be whatever I want to be, and they they've done it. So my accent isn't hindrance. You just rise above any you know any of the nonsense that people give you. I suppose. Mm. I think what I live for is the, the day where if you say oh, I'm from Middlesbrough and then someone doesn't reply to you, oh where's that? Um, and you, yeah, and we always say it's just new. It's just new Newcastle. It's alright. I'm just. Yeah. It's, it's just. <laughs> It's a standard. I think anywhere you go, I think in in the world, um, I've been very fortunate to to live in the states like over the last couple of years, and just um, I, every time I have like a name tag, and they would just say like Cleveland or Stockton on Tees, or everyone be like, well, where's where's that? Where's where's all this? And I'm just like, ah, oh, well, just just in the northeast of England, near Newcastle, and they're like, all oh, right, oh, I know where Newcastle is, but I don't know where Millsbury is. And I'm just like, 
One day it'll change, Neil. One day. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, we're we're getting more and more on the map, and people are, you know. But then also there's something something brilliant about that because it means that, you know, we are to some degree a bit of an island, and yeah. you know, people that know the joy and the brilliance of Middlesbrough, you know, are, I suppose quite rare in that sense because, you know, we're not. Um, there's, for example, you know, Newcastle is a brilliant place, but there can be a stereotype of, of Newcastle. Yeah. You know, you ask anyone about Newcastle, and the first thing they say from outside is, "Oh yeah, it's a great night out." Surely <laughs> 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 do. Uh. It's such a typical thing to say, but it's such an and it's a brilliant city, and I, you know, um, I hope Middlesbrough's more on the map. Um, I definitely, you know, I, I suppose even the Borough videos I did was part of it to mm. try and put us a bit more on the map, give us more of an help us have more of an identity yeah. um, but you know we're pretty special and, and we're getting more special mm. no I think I think we'll get even more special if we were to go up um, back in the Premier League as well because um, obviously that puts you on the map in terms of like a variety of different countries as well especially with all like the money rights that's coming right now um, but may, we might not be going up this year um, and I know you said you, you watched a bit, the bit of the game um, yesterday so, kind of, what what was your what was your thoughts on yesterday, um, Neil? What um, well, it was uh, I was a uh, it was it was a bit of a body blow. I um I had to, I watched it in a pub in London, surrounded by Villa fans, and and directly behind me a Millwall fan oh. who didn't shut up about Middlesbrough the whole game, and I feel myself really getting wound up. But um, it was tricky. It was it was disappointing. I don't think I don't think we looked um, I don't think Villa that were that much better than us but I, I don't think we looked like we had the killer instinct mm. um, it was I think that goal was a real body blow I think if that um, if Randolph hadn't made that save and they'd gone 2-0 I think we would have been waking up today going oh well there's always next year I don't mm. I don't feel like that I think um my feeling from yesterday was, I was on the way back from from watching it. I thought, well, there are many occasions in my life as a Borough fan that where we've achieved something amazing, where we haven't had to do it against the odds. Mm. And I look back to, I mean, over two legs. I would, for me, the two greatest moments of my Borough life were those comebacks in the UEFA Cup. Now, as soon as that goal went in in both of those matches and we went oh we're going to have to score four again hmm. it was unbelievable to see that we did that and, there, and I'll always remember those moments so you know it, is it good that we go into the second leg 1-0 down with an away goal no it's it's not great but but if we can go to Villa Park and and, and just just go for it hmm. because we've got nothing to lose just absolutely go for it who knows? And and it could be one of our greatest achievements. Yeah. Um, I think overall, I think I don't know. I, I suppose I don't think there'd be many Borough fans that that looked at the playoffs and thought, "Oh yeah, it's ours. We've got this." Because we've not we've had such a, a strange erratic season, mm. but we seem to have come good near the end. Pulis seems to seems to be putting something together. Um, he's he, you know it's becoming more his side. We've got, we've got at least we've got a, we've got tactics now. We've got a solid <laughs> team that we want to play. Um, I, I 
guess we just got to go into Tuesday optimistic and just and just go for it. And if if we win on Tuesday, we've got nothing to fear in the final. I don't think because you know we've got to just just you know, and it sounds stupid like you know, but we've got to just believe that we can that we can have a go at them. And I think one thing I got from the Villa fans around me is that they don't have as you know, they're not totally confident in their own team. You know, I felt there was a lot of um, there was a lot of momentum would would drop and we'd we'd start passing the ball around in situations where you just wanted that killer ball to be played through. Mm. Um, but they were doing the same thing and they were aware that they were doing the same thing and they were nervous all the way through the second half. They were just like, we're not, we you know, we're not even looking like we're going to kill this off. Um, and we looked more likely to score definitely in the second half. We had most of the possessions, so so who knows? Who knows? Yeah, and I, I thought um, yesterday was just Middlesbrough's season in general, in terms of we'll bring you up just to knock you down again, be very inconsistent because against Millwall and against the likes of Derby, we were excellent. But then yes, yesterday's performance kind of seemed like it was like like Gary Monk all over again, where we just didn't look like we were gonna. We were going to win the game, and we just was so inconsistent. We looked a bit about run out of ideas a little bit moving forward, and I just thought that I thought Villa were the better team. It sounds ridiculous me saying that, as we had more possession and we had more chances um, on paper. But I just I just thought they con they controlled us without without the ball. They made it very tight, and um, we just couldn't we just couldn't break them down um, at all. And well, we did have chances though. Obviously, we did have chances, and we should have. Maybe maybe score with Britain in the first half, but um, I just thought they were probably a, a bit better. But the tie, like you said, is definitely not over. I think we have some. We can get so much momentum within the next ninety minutes because we have. You're right. We have nothing to lose if we score at Villa Park. Um, if we score the first goal anyway, you've got forty thousand people being a bag of nerves, and we can just be free and just play exactly how we want to play because. Well, the pressure's on them, really, isn't it? Well, it is, and I think I actually, I think what what they what they did very well is they marked Triore, mm. and they, you know, he was. I thought Triore was good yesterday. He wasn't as good as he's nowhere near as good as he has been because there were so many men on him. At some points, there were three men on him, mm. but they they neutralised him, and that could work in our favour away because they're not going to mark him anywhere near as much because they're going to want to. You know, be the, the 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 more attacking team. It might give a bit more space to him. I thought he was more effective when he switched flanks. Mm. Um, so we'll see. I mean, it, it could be, you know, without the fear of having to win the home tie and now going away and knowing that we're up against it, it might be exactly what we need just to go for it and scare the life out of them. And as you say, if we get that first goal, they're gonna. The, I can imagine the Villa crowd. Are going to start to fear the worst because they they know they're fallible. They've had mm. a good season, but they also know that they're not by no means are the team that they want to be, and they're not they're not totally convinced from the sounds of the, you know, from the from the Villa fans that I was with and my mate who was watching it with yesterday was a Villa fan. Mm. It's like by no means are they convinced by Bruce and his tactics. Yeah, they're in a similar situation to us, but I think they know that Bruce, as we do with Pulis, that he's probably going to get us up, and he's a good manager to have. To get in the Premier League and try and stay around for a bit, but um, but they're not totally convinced that he he's playing the football that they want, and they don't fully trust that when they 
they're in a winning position, they're going to hold it. So, so we'll see. I just, you know, just got to go on and shout as loud as we can. And, and, you know, having that away support, it'll probably be, you know, our away support, I, I can't, talk, you know, call many grounds that I've been to at all in the away end and not, we've not been as loud uh, as the home fans. So we'll see. Mm. And that's, uh, I know it's, it's, you, you were saying about it, Triora yesterday. Um, well, yesterday's performance yesterday. And I, I agree with you. I thought Triora just wasn't as effective as he, as he normally was. But you see, there was, there was every time he was on the ball, there was three men around him and there was two men be- behind them. Um, so he was just running to a brick wall every time. And it, it's very unfortunate for him. But you can't do that all game, especially with Triora, because he, he will pull something brilliant out the hat and just... And create something, and I think we will get chances at Villa Park, and there's, there's, it's very, very rare that an away team doesn't get a chance um, against any team. I mean, I think we just have to take that chance and hopefully build on that. Um, I would like to see us make a couple of changes though to the team um, from the from the home leg anyway. Um, I know Ayala might not be fit because he went off yesterday, and I don't know what the injury is, but it doesn't look like he's going to be available, so. I'd like to see some come in, um, but I'd also like to see maybe Harrison come in, maybe play with two out-and-out wingers and just attack from the off, really, um, and, and, just, and just go from there. How, how would you feel about that? Would you make changes? Uh, I, I think given the impact that Fabio had mm. when he came on, um, having that width, I think, would help. It, it's difficult because, I guess, you know, it's not the way that Peter wants to play, play really. Um I, I don't know what's wrong with Ayala, but it didn't look to me like he's going to make Tuesday. It looked to me like that's him done for the season, um, which is a massive blow for us because he's been a goal-scoring threat. He's definitely, you know, he's been great this season. He had, a, you know, he didn't have a great time last season, but he's been great this season, especially the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, I would probably move shot, and I would probably start with the team that we ended. Well, not start with the team we ended. Start with the defense that we ended. The, um, the match with sort of move Shotton in as a centre back and put Fabio at at right back. Mm. Um, I think that for me would give us a little bit more width because friend I think works you know is 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 as good going forward as for me as he as he is as defending so he's perfect for that. Um, it's a strange one Harrison because I don't we don't really see much of him there. I don't feel and it's a real shame because I think he's. An exciting player. I don't know whether it would it would make sense to bring in someone who hasn't really had much of a chance this season. Um, equally, you know what we get. There's many things that we get with having Downing on the pitch, but but I suppose it, bombing down the flanks, he's he's not that player anymore. Um, so having a bit of width and having somebody that could run at them would would make more sense. But then, equally. Adolma's going to be an issue, I think, in mm. the home leg because I think he's going to have a bit more freedom. So we need someone who can, who's going to be able to, you know, to um, to combat that as well. If we're going to release Triore on one wing, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I think for me, the, the 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 big question is: Do we who do we go for? Asamba Longer or Bamford? Because Asamba Longer just didn't look the. the Bessic, I thought, was good. Again, I don't think Bessic was anywhere near his best, but he looked productive. Mm. But Asamba Longa just looked off the pace. He didn't really. His, he had he had a couple of shots on goal, but didn't really. I didn't really feel that he was gonna. That he had a, 
a really clear cut chance. I didn't feel he was on his game. Yeah. So do we do we start with Bamford? Do we you know keep strong with Asamba longer? And I don't know. It's a tricky one, really. Uh, I think it's probably the side we put out yesterday. I wouldn't have. And that's, I think that's maybe the difference we've got now from when Monk was in charge. There were just so many times he'd choose a team and we'd kind of be scratching our heads. I don't hmm. think I look at the team now and think, oh, well, I wouldn't have done that. I think there's, yeah. it's a pretty surefire lineup, really, because they're all proven in their roles and they all know the system. So, I don't know. It'd be... Maybe we just need to go for it, and you know, as you say, maybe Harrison is the right person. Just, just you know, pure sitting and right, go and show us what we've missed all season. Yeah, um, I've been. I was very fortunate to watch Harrison in the MLS and the New York City, and he is a very, very good player. But it, he wasn't. It's like he was in the MLS, and the MLS isn't like an amazing standard. It's got a lot better, but it's just mm. it's not. Amazing, and he did stick out with a sore thumb when he was playing with like Pearl, and he 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 made he was he looked a lot better than he probably should have. Um, and when he has came on, he has made some sort of impact. When he was at Ipswich, he did play very well from what he, from what I'm hearing. So it it can be maybe just as an option to bring him in. I like the the question of Brit or Bamford, and it's something that we've debated quite a lot on on this podcast in general. And I personally, sorry. Oh, sorry. The um, the line must have went a bit dead there. But um, I prefer Britt to Bamford in just in terms of what Britt can do, and he, I think he offers you more. Um, and I think yesterday he got starved of service, um, just from the way that the way Aston Villa were playing so deep, um, which made it very difficult to get the ball to him. Um, but then if we play Bamford on on say on, on Tuesday, I think. Bamford will be quite good if we were looking to play like maybe like the one-two, spring it out wide to Triore or spring it out wide to Downen or Harrison, whoever we play, and create opportunities from that. So it's kind of like a toss-up, really. I have no idea who who we should play, but I think it's just a. I think it's what pure. I think it's what pure things. I think Bamford probably will start though. Yeah, possibly. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean it's a hard one. It's, and I suppose. It has the. It looks to me a little bit like new manager comes in, makes it very clear what he wants, and very clear that some things aren't exactly what he he doesn't fancy. Some things he doesn't. I, I don't get the feeling that Sambalonga is his kind of player, um, which is a real shame because you know we're not we haven't got a massively good track record with record signing strikers, um, you know, f- fulfilling that the role that we want. But um. And I think he's a good player, and uh, I think you know says a lot that he scored so many goals in the first half of the season. But but I guess if his confidence is if Pierce's confidence isn't a hundred percent with Zambalonga, then we've maybe got to try something different. And if Bamford, and if he fancies Bamford more, I, I I wouldn't know which way to go to be honest. I think it's on their day. I think both are absolutely fantastic, but I also think they both had you know up and downs. Seasons, they haven't been in the team as much, uh, and that's definitely since Pulis came in as they'd like. I think he sort of made it very clear when he came in that Gusted was his first choice, mm. um, and then obviously Gusted's injury sort of was a, a, a bit of a blow, given he'd said that. So then you've got to try and build the confidence of of the other two remaining strikers who thought they would be first choice and weren't. 
So I don't know. It's it's a tricky one, really. Um, I think whoever we start with, we've just got to find a way to get Besic on the ball more and get Triori on the ball more. Mm. And if that means pushing them a little bit further up and having, you know, potentially, I don't know, but there's there's an option of maybe removing House and putting Ledbetter in, having a bit more strength and and freeing up Besic to make those runs, but I guess we'll see what what his tactics might be, you know, close of the match. Mm. No, yeah, there's there is so many ifs and buts about Tuesday, and I just think I think if we didn't go up this season, then I don't think it's the end of the world at all. I think we'll be a lot better next year um, if we were to go up. Um, but looking ahead, of course, there's going to be changes regardless. Um, I think we'll we'll see a lot of outgoings as well. Um, do you think who who do you think we should let go of in the summer, and who do you think maybe we should potentially look at? Looking to bring in. Uh, well, it's a, I suppose it's a hard one, really. Um, I, I I don't know who I'd necessarily let go of. I, I think mm. I, that the likely people that I think will go, I think Triore will go. Mm-hmm. We'll get a really good deal for him. I don't see him as someone that would stick around if we don't go up. I, I'm not even sure if he'd stick around if we did go up. I, I, that's no, you know, that's. Uh, no blight on him, you know, we've seen the best of him this season, but equally this time last year, we were ready to get rid of him, I think, yeah. I, I don't think you know, myself included, I don't think we ever thought he would reach his potential and he and he's he's definitely hit a, a much higher level than we expected mm. but, you know, there is potential to go, you know, massive potential to go even further, can he achieve that with us in the championship? I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't think he could. He'll still be the best, the best player that in the league that should be, that mm. should be in the Premier League. If we went up, I'd love to think we could hold on to him. But you know, thirty million, given how much we spent last pre-season, I think it would be good to, you know, spend that money in other areas. Um, I don't, I, I, I don't know if a Samba longer would stay. Um, it's a real shame. It feels a bit like a Jordan Road situation. I mean, the difference is obviously that Sopalonga has played and scored, <laughs> and, and I don't think Road's got much of a chance and didn't really score many goals. I hope Sopalonga stays because he's a proven goal scorer, and if we can work out a system whereby he is still does and he's scoring goals regularly, fantastic. But but equally, if he's not going to play, is it a good thing to have a player? You know, how long can Sopalonga be? Second or third choice striker, being our record, you know, our, I don't know, is he our record signing of all yeah, time? Yeah, he is. Yeah, he actually yeah, is. Yeah, well, um, I mean, our record signing being not first choice. It's a tricky one. Yeah. So I don't know if he would stick around, um, or whether we would make it makes sense to get some money for him if he's not going to be and bring in a player. You know, I, I, from what I can understand, we tried to get Mitrovic. Mm-hmm. Because he's more of the kind of player that Pulis wants, and we've got a goal with that. We've got we've brought Pulis in to get us in the Premier League and keep us in the Premier League, and we've just got you know if he thinks if he sees something the way it is, he's got to go with his instincts. It's a tricky situation really because like you know I was I suppose like a lot of Borough fans I was good when Cyrus Christie left because yeah. he, he was for me he was player of the season. Him and Randolph have been players of the season up mm-hmm. to the point at which Monk went, but. Um, I guess 
we've got to look at strengthening in certain areas. Uh, I think definitely a striker. Potentially, I think we've got to look at you know maybe another left back or maybe another right back. Um, definitely a central midfielder. I mean, the the, the for me the, the massive key is tell ask Everton what they want and give them what they want for Besic because hmm. he's been quality since he came in yeah. and he's clearly up for the fight and he you know and if we believe his badge kissing and I sort of do he wants to be here so we've got to immediately buy him and if that means selling Triore to buy him then I think it's I think it's probably worth it yeah but uh, other than that it's hard to know really I guess we've just there's, there's going to be a couple of surprises I think in the summer of mm. people that we don't necessarily want to leave they're not really. They don't really feature in Pulis's kind of vision. Mm. It's going to be a few people come in that will probably roll our eyes at. But and Shotton's a prime example that we just have to, you know, persevere and you know stand by the choices that the manager makes because actually Shotton's come really good. And you know, when he arrived, everyone was baffled because it didn't look mm. like he was going to play, and he didn't look like the kind of player that we wanted that would make an impact. And you know, he's he's made that right back position his own. So. Yeah, I think it, it's it's funny that you mentioned Shotton actually because when he it was his first game and I remember it, he had an absolute howler on his first on his first game and I tweeted out I think it was against Brentford I think it was his game yeah. I tweeted out saying oh um, Ryan Shotton's the worst centre back I've ever seen um, and it got absolutely it got a lot of like retweets and favourites from Derby fans from from Birmingham City fans and it was just like I was like oh no um, but um, he's he's. He surprised me. His performances of late have been great. I know he wasn't maybe is his best yesterday, but I think in general he just surprised me. And I felt like I have to apologise for the tweet now because it's a funny old game of football. And I think he's he surprised me and just played a lot better than we anticipated him to. Um, and I think we will have a lot of changes in in the summer as well. I think I think the likes of Ledbetter will go. I think Friend will go. Um, I just think Triori, I probably agree with you, will probably go, maybe a Sambalonga might go. Um, there is there's money on the table there for players like that who can we can potentially sell. I think no disrespect to George, I think it's just his legs are starting to go now. I think he just he's just not as not as good as he used to be. Um and I think Fabio's better than him in that position. And I just think he probably will move to a different maybe a different championship club, who knows, but I just think his time's probably up, and I think Ledbetter will probably move to the likes of Sunderland. Um, we had Graham Bailey on the last podcast, and he said it's pretty much a done deal at Sunderland. But take as much as oh, that, right. take that with a pinch of salt, because we know what football's like. So it could be, it could be true, it could not be. Um, but but yeah, there's 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 going to be a lot of movement. There's going to be a lot of jigsaws. The jigsaw's going to be adjusted. Um, Pulis will want to. You know what, Pulis has got so much experience, he'll know exactly what he wants and he'll know exactly what he needs to do to get us in the position where we are next season. I think that's the difference between him and what Gary Monk was. I think Gary Monk just didn't have any direction of how he wanted to play and I think he thought the job at Middlesbrough would be a lot easier than he anticipated it to be. But I think Pulis has been very realistic and just said, look, we've been kind of shit. Um, But... This is where we need to be, and this is how we're going to do it. And I think 
that's we're going in the right direction with Pulis, regardless of however this season finishes. You know, we we could probably you never know. We might win on Tuesday night, and we might go at Wembley, and we might win, and we think, oh well, there's more changes that need to be made. But I think if we do go up, there'd be a lot more changes than if we stay down this year. Yeah, I, I think there will be a fair amount of changes. Um, I didn't know. It's interesting to hear that Graham Bailey is saying that it's almost a done deal. I mean, I suppose it makes sense. Um, he's been a fantastic servant for the club, led mm. better. Um, but, uh, yeah, it'd be, it'd be interesting to see what happens, I guess. Again, we've just got... It feels very different. And I think Monk's signing were really exciting and, and we thought, God, they we're going to smash this league as... You know, in the way that the Gibbo said we were going to, yeah. I think Monk was just the wrong man, for, wrong job for him. He, I, I think he's got the, the right job for him now. He's come in as a hero. The Birmingham City fans love him. He he needs to be, he needs to be a hero. I think. I think he came into the club and we're we're a little bit not more cynical, but I think we were like, all right, come on, show us what you can do then, because we're a pretty amazing club and we've got money, mm. we've got the best chairman around. We've got incredible fans. Show us what you can do. And I think he was expecting everyone to be, you know, to be bowing as soon as he walked in and kind of, you know, thank you for coming to our club. You were so thrilled that you decided to be with us. And I don't think, it just felt a real disconnect. And his, you know, his whole social media kind of <laughs> robotic kind of responses didn't really help things. But um, but Pulis, I like, I like the way he's done it. I like the way he's come in and, He's he's clearly aware of the community. He understands how he understands what he's got, and that he's privileged to have what he's got. And many people, many clubs, don't have anything as you know the support of a chairman like that because they know that you know how often does does Steve Gibson fire a manager after you know in the middle of a season? Mm. It's quite rare for him to do that. I mean, he stuck by Southgate, at, you know, at a time when most people wouldn't. He's He's stuck by Karanka. Um, I think, I think you know we've got a good we've got a good man now who I think will hopefully the changes put us in a good position to go up. Sorry, it's my wife calling the dog. Go on, <laughs> get out. Yeah, so I think we're in a good position. Uh, uh, and I think leading back from what you were saying, I don't. If we don't go up this season. It's not the end of the world. I don't think. I don't know. Hand on heart, I I didn't look at this season and think, oh yeah, we've got to go up. Mm. I think after by the time Pulis came in, I thought, God, if we can make the playoffs, great. But there are so many better teams than us. You know, Wolves are brilliant. Cardiff, mm. for all that their football isn't beautiful, were really battled all season long. Fulham on their day are spectacular. Mm. Um, Villa look a good side. Derby could still be the most likely team to go through, which is weird. But um, but we rebuild, and I think we'd be a better team next season, regardless of whether we go up or not. Yeah, and that, that's it, the most important thing for me. Yeah, it, it is. And as like we, we kind of look to the end of like this podcast, and I always ask this question to everyone that come that comes on or who will come on in the future. Um, what is your Middlesbrough all-time eleven? Um, it's a very tough question to ask because we've had so many good players over the years. Um, so what what do you think? Your well, it could be it could be your favorite eleven, or it could be 
uh, the best eleven that you've seen. It could be anyone. You can pick anyone from who you've seen over the last the last few years, or anyone who you want. Um, so yeah, what yeah. is your all time Middlesbrough eleven, Neil? Uh, okay, okay. Let me have a think. It's a, so it's a I tough would one. Say, <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go for a mixture of. I'm not gonna go necessarily for the best players we've ever had, or the um, the best. Uh, the, the 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 players that have, have done the best for us. I'm I'm going to go for a mixture of players that meant something to me in my time as a Borough fan. Okay. I think. Um, so I think goal. For me, it's it's one of two people. I mean, I would either go for a fairly obvious choice, Mark Schwarzer. Yeah. For his heroics, for being, for the fact that we bought him so cheaply and took him to the point where he was one of the best I think one of the best goalkeepers in the Premier League he's sensational um, or I would actually go with Stephen Pears as well just one of the two because um, Pears was the was our goalkeeper when I first became a Borough fan and he was he was brilliant he epitomised everything that was Borough for me uh, um, his tash was magnificent <laughs> um so yeah, it would be probably Schwartz or Stephen Pears in goal. Okay. Right back. We've had some great right backs. Uh, obviously, I I'm going to go for a bit of an obscure one. I'm going to go for Neil Cox. Okay. Because okay. he was, from what I can remember, he wasn't. He was either our first signing when Robson came in, or he was one of the first signings. But I remember it was the first time I'd re- ever really seen how good a right back could be playing for the Borough. He was the first it was the first time I'd ever seen a pacey right back going up and down the wings. Mm-hmm. And I thought he was brilliant. I really thought he was brilliant. And um he uh I think we got him for a million. I think he was a bit of a steal at the time. And it was and it was also the first time I started to I could see that we were building a team that was going to be something, and it was mm. the start of the you know the whole Robson revolution, really. Yeah. So probably Neil Cox at right back, centre backs. Um, probably go with Nigel Pearson. Okay. I loved him at the Borough. I don't know. I could say I love him since he's left the Borough. I think he's Turn a bit been, of a love job now. I don't know. I think he's been a fairly difficult character um, but you know it's only what you see in the press um, I think he struggled a bit as a manager but then saying that he built most of the team that won the Premier League yeah. for Leicester so it's in that sense game, yeah. I think he's probably got a lot of anger about that because he never really got the credit for, for keeping them up as he did and then building a team that then won the Premier League So, but I think as as Middlesbrough captain, uh, he was everything you would want in a centre back. Everything yeah. that you could possibly want. Um, would you make him captain? This team. Um, I think Southgate would be my other centre back. Okay. Because I just love Southgate. I think I think he's a really really good man. I think he did. Um, he was a brilliant captain for us. He was a brilliant player for us. He didn't have the best time as a manager, for sure. But he, um, but I, I, I think he's got real integrity. 
I I I, I said hello to him very briefly um, at the the Riverside um, the reception at the Riverside Stadium, um, and you can just tell he's a good human being, and I I I think I feel good about the fact that England at a time where England aren't the best and we're trying to give youth a chance, I feel yeah. good that he's the man doing it. Mm. So yeah, I like Southgate. Left back, I've got two choices for left back. Curtis Fleming, because I like him. Um, I've met, I got to meet him a few times, and he's and he's everything I hoped he would be. He's <laughs> really charming. He's really fun. He's uh, he's got real integrity. I love that he's back. That he's at the borough now, part of the backroom staff. Um, and then my other choice would be Chris Morris. Okay. Uh, I was lucky enough to, to know Chris Morris for a few years. I was um, an ex-girlfriend of mine's best friend is his wife. And I got to, to know Chris and uh, after he finished playing with the Borough. And, and he told me lots of amazing stories about the, you know, the, the Janino and Ravinelli days and, mm. you know, and Ireland. He's got some, some of the funniest stories of I've, uh, football stories I've ever heard about him going away with the Ireland team. And he was in that team that played in the quarterfinal against Italy. Oh, and um, he, uh, yeah, he was brilliant. And I, I just think he was a great guy. And I went, I went to see a borough match with him once, and just the response he got from the borough fans, just so actually he was quite, he was he was a really well loved player, and he was a, he was a really handy left back for us. So yeah, so that would be my defence. Midfield, uh, well, there's two shoe ins for me because I would probably go four three three. Okay, I would probably have. As my holding midfielders, it's a tricky one. Probably, actually, no. I would have a holding. I would have Boateng as my holding midfielder. Okay. Because I thought he was great. I loved him, uh, and he was. You know, I just think every team needs a player like that, and he was brilliant for us. Um, my two attacking midfielders, I'd have Emerson. Just if nothing else, because. He was, he was just a real character. Like, you know, they, obviously that was a difficult season for us when we had him and we went down. But he was, he was spectacular at times, like utterly spectacular. Oh, yeah. And I, I loved watching him play. And some of the goals he scored, that goal against Sunderland, and he was just, just he was fantastic. Um, and just the whole like media circus around him as well. Can look back now and see how like it was very very funny. Um, obviously, Janino is going to be in there. Of Janino, just behind the striker in midfield, I, I just loved the man. Just loved him. He was everything that I epitomised. And I suppose that same thing I was saying about Leo yesterday and seeing the response he got. Janino just just is just the best player we've ever had. He was so exciting. I was. I was in the samba band that welcomed him to the Riverside Stadium, um, and he, you know, we we had no idea he was going to be quite the player he was, but but he, yeah, he was just he was just magnificent, and the fact that he came back and and that he loves the club as much, as much as he does, yeah, he just he would be first choice in my team always, um, and then up front, I think I will go for, I think out and out striker. Again, I think there were. I don't think he was 
you know, he, he was a, there was a bit of a media circus around him, but Pavanelli was just a cut above yeah. anything we've had as a, as a as a striker before. He was uh, and he was incredible. That his debut, that three three against yeah. Liverpool, was just amazing. Um, I know this either side of him, I would have Hasselbank. I loved Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. He, I just think he scored some brilliant goals. I thought on his day he was absolutely deadly. And then on the other side, I would have Don Heck. Because he was the first player, I think, I watched and went, ah, oh, yeah, he's class. I loved him. He's actually, you know, having been lucky enough to, to be in corporate for a few matches and meeting some of the players, he's the one person that I have never spoken to him, but I see from, like, a distance in, like, the, the club lounge, and I get a bit, like, nervous. Because <laughs> I, I just, you know... I just thought he was amazing, and I, I still remember like watching him because he was quite boxy as a player. He was, what, yeah. he was probably only about five foot six, five foot seven. In fact, he's probably taller than that. And I, when I meet him, I'll probably realise how short I am. He was, um, but he, you know, really puffed out chest, and he just, I just remember being in the Holgate and watching him score some absolutely amazing goals. Um, I think he scored one, if not two, against Leeds when we beat them the season after they won the first division and he was oh, he was he was just brilliant that day oh, he was great and him and, and Slaven and I feel sorry that Bernie's not in the team but he, Bernie would have been on the bench but um, yeah I just I just love watching them so I think that would be my probably be my 11 yeah yeah it's it really makes you feel sad when you look back at the, some of the players and that we've had and you see like the likes of like Ravanelli Hasselbank Janino Emerson um, just to name a few, and then you you look at the likes when we were in the say the Strachan era, um, you just think, oh my god, like we've went from the highest of the highs to this, and you just think that's just it's inc- it's crazy to think we've had so many good players up front as well, and just the players that we've had in general, it it, it baffles me. Yeah, God, we have had some incredible players, and you know, and I think there's every you know, most clubs go through that. You know, I'm sure Man United fans will look back and go. God, remember when we had Fellaini, and you know, and because every team has, you know, Man City definitely will be looking back and going, God, do you remember when we lost eight one to Middlesbrough? Yeah. Um, but I think there was, yeah, I'm, I'm distracted. Is you, you've got to have a bit of both, though, haven't you? And I, you know, football is a little bit like life in the sense mm. that you've got to have, you've got to have the bad patches to enjoy the good patches. Yeah. Without, without almost going bust, and without you know having the players that we had in you know in in certain days, we would never have enjoyed the UEFA Cup run quite as much because we would have taken it for granted. And mm. you know, you, I, I for a bit of enjoyment, I sometimes watch Arsenal fan TV. <laughs> I love because it. it is like Crimea River. It's like, oh, what your amazing manager that that got you in the Champions League final and you won the league with didn't get you quite as far as you want. Oh, well, Crimea River, we've, you know, we're in a different league now and we're still. There's gonna be there's gonna be ups and downs. I think people get complacent. I remember going to watch Celtic uh, at Parkhead. I was I was doing a play in in Glasgow and I went to watch Celtic play. And Celtic had just lost the title to Rangers, okay. um, so they were obviously a bit down. Mm. But Parkhead was about thirty percent full, and they're playing Hibs, and Hibs 
and, and Celtic scored first. And I've never watched such an underwhelming response of fans to a team going 1-0 up. <laughs> Just thought, I don't ever want to be in a, a, a sport in the room. We sit there and we go, oh, 1-0, great. You know, it, I'd far rather that we were the underdog and that we were battling for to you know to be more because that's you know it's far better to be in that position. The more you have, the less you appreciate it, and we can appreciate the, the things that we've had because we've had those days under Strachan where it was miserable, and we, where we had those days under Mowbray where we had to strip the squad completely, strip the squad back to, to try and you know save some cash and. You know, we can appreciate Janino because we had, you know, what's his name? Who was, who was that guy we got from America, from the MLS? Um, uh, Moreno, was it? Oh, no, 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 no Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara. Kai Kamara, yeah. Uh, we can appreciate the good players because we've had, you know, the Lee Dongooks who didn't <laughs> do anything for us. And, 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 and that's a good way to be, I think, you know, um, to appreciate that the, what we've achieved rather than um, expect achievement all the time. Yeah, and I think with Millsbury, I, I couldn't support a different club. Like, no, I, I couldn't support the likes of like a Manchester United or, a, well, obviously Man City now. Because, yes, winning football, winning games every week is probably amazing. And, you know, but you just hear the atmosphere at some of their grounds now and you just think, they must be just be sick of winning now. I feel like when I watch Middlesbrough now, I'm actually sometimes happy that we get beat because I'm going to have something to mourn about like every week. I couldn't support a different club, I don't think. No, I, I, I mean, I definitely couldn't. It's just, you know, I... We meet people that have started supporting a team in, in the last couple of years and they're like in their 30s or 40s. You think, really? Just, uh, I mean, you know... Uh, I also think uh, it's very rare that you do but like the idea of meeting someone who swap teams I find quite mm. weird like, oh. I just think that Go on. if you're supporting a team because they're really successful where's the joy where's the joy and where's the you know it's like you know, I think that the, it's the imperfections that become perfection it's the idiosyncrasies that that make you want to support someone um, it's the it's the funny things it's the cult players that weren't that good but it's the Uwe Fuchs who was you know for like I remember for like literally for a space of about three months he was the best player in the world to me <laughs> it's like we it was like we had Jürgen Klinsmann um, it's those things that, that make football enjoyable like because what what's the what's the alternative? Like, mm. I was watching uh, Sunday Supplement this morning. They were talking about Neymar arriving at PSG. Like, how can you fall in love with Neymar as a player? It's driven by money. As an entourage, bigger, you know, like an entourage of yeah. thirty or forty people everywhere he goes. Mm. That for me is not football. Football's about you know stories. Watching you know uh, Paul. Uh, um, is it Paul Lambert that played for Liverpool and Southampton? Um, it's Lambert, surname, isn't it? Ricky Lambert. Um, Ricky Lambert. Paul Lambert's Ricky the stock manager. There's the manager. Paul Lambert's the manager. Ricky Lambert. He, um, when he was, uh, when he signed for Liverpool, 
I think there was someone he released a statement saying I can't quite believe this is happening to me or something ridiculous like that I just think that that's football surely mm. that's football it's about chest beating passion it's about like you know incredible moments football has got to be about the, the highs and the lows it's got to be about against the odds for all the for all the um, you know what's his face at, at Tottenham um What's it called? Their midfielder, who's Ericsson, uh, Deli Ali. Deli Ali. Uh, for all that, Deli Ali is, you know, a bit of a questionable tyke of a lad. He's um, God, I'm sounding all tyke of a lad. Uh, <laughs> but he's there's something amazing about his, his rise to the top. I like seeing that rise to the top. It mm. happens a lot. I, I, I tend to root for players more when they've had a bit of a journey, yeah. like. Again, like George Friend, George Friend coming for nothing, and then watching him play in the Premier League. There was something like really amazing about that. Watching a player who's started, you know, has had to fight for their career. Feels good. Feels good because that's what Middlesbrough do. We have to fight. We're, we're always fighting. We're never taking anything for granted. So you know, it's about highs and lows. So I don't mind the lows so much because I know that there's a high around the corner. Yeah, no, that, that, that's it. And I hope the high comes on Tuesday, but whether that happens, I have, I have no idea. Um, but as we as we wrap it up, uh, Neil, where can everyone find you? Do you have any shows coming up? Or are you presenting any awards anytime soon? Or where can people find you? Uh, well, where can they find me? Uh, I'll be I'll be in London. They'll find me on Tuesday night um, at <laughs> the match. Um, hopefully, we'll be celebrating. I'm getting the last train back to London, so um, hopefully I'll be on the train having a few uh, happy. Um, I work-wise, I've got a few things coming out. I've just got a film coming out later this year, I think, or next year, early next year, called "Born a King," which is um, about a Saudi Arabian prince. I've got a part in that. Um, that's with a guy called Ed Screen. Do you know? Have you seen Deadpool? I have. Yes. The baddie in Deadpool. So it's he's one of the guys in the film. He's one of the leads. And uh, I did um, an episode of a thing called Moving On, which is a Jimmy McGovern drama, which is on in the daytime. And I've got an episode of that coming out in a few weeks. And then in in September, I or in June, I can't remember, but I, I've just finished working on uh, just a month filming on Doctors on the daytime. Nice. So Albert is um, playing a bit of a uh, bit of a similar kind of Gervais from Heaven character, a bit of a um, <laughs> bit of a kind of smarmy bedend uh, called <laughs> Jeremy Smale, who's a practice manager. So I've, I've just been filming that for a month, which is great because it's I mean, it's, Doctors is quite hard work, but because uh, they film so fast, but it's a brilliant brilliant show and um, really lovely people on it and it's you know it's never regarded as the most amazing TV but the you know the fact that they make five episodes a week is remarkable yeah. the speed at which they work and lovely people there so yeah so I'm looking forward to seeing that um, so that's on soon uh, obviously BBC One um, what else am I doing um, just bits and bobs really hosting a beer festival in Oxted soon that'll be fun um <laughs> Uh, I'm, you know, I'm thinking about maybe doing some more stuff for the borough at some points if, uh, if they'll have me. Um, yeah, just and 
just generally on Twitter saying stuff about the borough and tweeting pictures of my dog that's just arrived now and is looking at me like, when are you going to take me out? <laughs> I know my dog is actually staring at me now and I'm just like, it's all right, I'll take you out in a second. Just let, just let this yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting grief from, the, from her. She's starting to scratch at me. Stop it. Um, so, yeah, so that's, so that's where they can find me, yeah. Um, but, but uh, you know, they're on Tuesday night, so if, if uh, anyone that's listening comes to say hello, because, um, you know, we, I'll either be an ecstatic or desolate, and either way, I won't be around people. <laughs> yeah. I'm not going, so I'll be watching. I'll be watching it at home and just thinking, oh well. I I have the the beauty of well, I probably I'll never turn it off, but I have the the ability to turn it off if they start scoring for fun Villa anyway. But I don't think that'll happen. I think we'll hopefully win. Then we can meet up at Wembley and get absolutely on yeah. it in the celebration. Hopefully, I really fingers crossed. Obviously, for for us getting there, but I will see anywhere. <laughs> okay, but, so so let's wrap this up because your dog obviously wants you to take her out. Well, but... She wins the day. She's ringing the <laughs> squeaky toy bell. <laughs> so thank you very much uh, for everyone that's listened to the podcast. A very big thank you to Neil as well for coming on and sharing some of his stories and having some more chat with us. Um, as always, like, share, subscribe, everything to do with the Bora breakdown and everything MFC pages. So. Thank you very much for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.